How good are you at predicting the future? Chances are that like most of us, you're not as good with your predictions as you'd like to believe that you are. Hi, I'm Mark Warner, and welcome to PM Lift, helping you elevate your project management practice. Each episode of the PM Lift podcast provides a brief, focused summary on a key topic that affects our performance as effective project managers. Today, we're going to be talking about project estimating and how to improve our estimates so that we set our projects up for success by better managing our stakeholders and our team's expectations. We must always ensure that we know the purpose of the estimate and the amount of detail available so that we can use the appropriate approach that matches our needs, available time and appropriate amount of effort. This podcast will show you how. One of the first things that we need to address is what is an estimate? Well, let's begin by making it clear that it's different from a goal. A goal represents a desired outcome. We'd like to complete a task in two days, but the reality could be quite different. So why do we need estimates? Well, we need to know whether the project or piece of work that we're about to embark on will be completed by the required date or within the required budget. If not, then the project may not be viable and should either be redesigned or perhaps not even progressed further. An estimate should reflect how long we believe it will truly take. This will normally be longer than our goal. So, if we view estimates as goals, we'll find that we consistently miss our estimates either in terms of cost, time or both. An estimate is also not a prediction, it's a forecast. Our brains are extremely poor at predictive estimates, which is why all too often we see a task estimated to take one month, becoming two, then three months, and so on. You'll have now noticed that we normally underestimate the amount of time something will take. This is why we're always surprised by those all too rare occasions when something takes less time than we predicted. This is partly because we as humans have a natural bias towards optimistic predictions. These types of predictions, also called deterministic estimates, fail to take into account the probability of successfully meeting the estimate. So in order to estimate a piece of work, whether it's a simple task or a complex project, we need information. We need to know enough about what it is that we're being asked to deliver. The more ambiguity and uncertainty there is around the requirements or the approach, then the less accurate the estimate will be. Even when working in an agile approach, we still need to have completed enough of the design up front so that we're able to understand the scope and size of the undertaking at the start of the project. Sure, the depth and the detail can come later. Estimates early in a project are always beset with a number of difficulties. Firstly, the requirements may still be being defined, and there could be a high degree of variability in what's being asked for and what's needed. So the information needed to inform good estimates may not yet be available. Add to this that the team may be new to working together and therefore not have had the opportunity to build a culture of trust and openness, and that's an additional complexity. Even in established teams, culture plays a big part in estimate accuracy. If the team members don't feel accountable, then they're likely to ask fewer questions and generally put less effort into the estimating activities. If the culture doesn't support open sharing of issues and concerns, then the important factors won't be considered, leading to overly optimistic estimates. If the team is feeling pressured by a domineering manager's agenda, 
then their ability to provide realistic estimates is completely undermined and the project will suffer as a result. The earlier in a project's life that we try to estimate, the greater the level of uncertainty and therefore the greater the risk of inaccurate estimating. This is represented by Barry Bohm's Cone of Uncertainty. The Cone of Uncertainty is a very visual representation of estimate variance at different stages in a project. You can find a copy of this diagram in the show notes at pmlift, all one word, .co.uk. The cone of uncertainty is a line chart with time on the x-axis and negative to positive variability on the y-axis. There are then two lines extending from left to right. The one line goes from a high level of positive variability and then travels down towards the zero line, the further along the x-axis that it travels. And the other line travels from a high level of negative variability and travels up towards the zero line, the further along the x-axis or time axis that it progresses along. This gives the image of a cone lying on its side with the widest part at the left and the tip of the point on the right-hand side. The cone represents the level of variability, both positive and negative, that estimates will have earlier in a project's life. At the inception of the project, there is a high degree of uncertainty due to a lack of understanding of requirements, technologies, and potentially team members, that the level of variability between estimated and actual performance is so high as to render the estimates next to worthless. As more work is done to elaborate on the requirements and needs of the project, and as more knowledge and information is gained from the act of undertaking the project and completing parts of the work, the degree of variability is decreased. As the project progresses along into the construction or development stages, the level of variance decreases and the estimates become more accurate. Closely linked to this is that the further off in time that the piece of work is going to take place, the greater the variability or uncertainty that the estimate will contain. Consequently, it is best to estimate in differing levels of detail depending on where we are on the x-axis or time axis of the cone of uncertainty, and how far into the future we're trying to estimate. Estimates presented earlier in the life of the project should, therefore, be presented as ranges that take into account the high level of uncertainty present at that point in the life cycle. However, there is traditionally a lot of resistance to this idea, and therefore a lot of guesses and assumptions are made in order to produce a single value estimate. Each of these assumptions translates into one or more risks that could adversely affect the project. So how can we overcome these challenges at the start of the project to help determine if the undertaking is viable? First off, in the early stages of a project, it is all too easy and too common to rely on a HIPPO. A HIPPO stands for Highest Paid Person's Opinion. This form of estimate is essentially an expert judgment based on a been-there-done-that view of experience. The more senior the person, clearly the more accurate their estimate will be. However, this is often far from the case. This is a form of best guess, and while sometimes needed for a quick ballpark estimate when dealing with high levels of ambiguity and uncertainty, it's far from ideal or accurate. It sits right at the left-hand side of the cone of uncertainty, and estimates arrived at by this method should always be used with great care as they at best give only a very rough guess of time, resource, or budget needed. Another form of estimating is bandwidth estimating, which provides three different estimates, with the most likely, the best potential outcome, and the worst potential outcome. 
this three-point range can be better at showing the level of risk in the estimate, as the further apart these values are from each other, the greater the level of risk that's built into the estimate. Project Evaluation and Review Technique, or PERT, is an example of this approach, and it produces a triangle distribution estimate consisting of an optimistic, pessimistic, and most likely outcome. PERT uses a formula of P plus 4 times M plus O divided by 6, where P is the pessimistic estimate, M is the most likely, and O is the optimistic outcome. This then produces a single number that's weighted towards the most likely outcome and circumvents some of the issues that come from overly optimistic and less likely pessimistic estimating. Probabilistic estimating aims to improve on this simple distribution curve provided by PERT by using a mathematical model such as Monte Carlo simulations to compute a risk-based distribution curve. This, however, requires more time, more understanding of the technique, a lot more thinking, and specialist software. This requires a greater investment in time and effort than many are prepared to make, especially with the recent trend towards more agile estimating approaches. Other forms of estimating such as parametric or ratio estimating also use mathematical formulas to determine an estimate based upon the size and complexity of the problem to be solved, albeit on a less complex scale than a probabilistic estimate. Parametric estimating relies on past events and data to drive future estimates. This works well where the unit cost or distribution is known and the size of the task or number of units required is known. For example, at a simple level, calculating the number of tiles required to tile a bathroom multiplied by the cost of the tiles and the time it takes to install each tile. For industries where activities are less standardized and less repeatable, this becomes more complex, for example, in software development. An extension of this approach is therefore something called function point estimating, which uses a combination of function point analysis to determine the number of different types of operations that an application must perform, combined with some historical data about past performance of the team um, against each type of function point. A popular way to reduce the imperfections in our estimates is to take advantage of what our brains are actually very good at. That is comparing two or more things. For example, is the task we are estimating more complex or less complex than a similar task that we previously performed? If it's more complex, then is it twice as complex or 10 times as complex? This type of estimating is called analogy-based estimating. Even probabilistic or analogy-based estimating approaches will still result in an imperfect estimate. That's potentially okay, so long as we understand that they are imperfect and why. It's equally important that the person being provided with the estimate understands the imperfections and what the ranges provided really mean. Unfortunately, we're all too good at latching onto an element of the estimate that best fits our needs or plans, and all too often it's the optimistic estimate, and the rest of the information is simply subconsciously ignored. So how does Agile approach estimating? Well, Agile views early high uncertainty estimates as something of a fool's errand, and instead focuses on near-term, typically sprint-level estimating, of user stories. This is where the cone of uncertainty is greatly reduced. 
Agile methods also advocate having multiple people estimate the work and not rely on a single person or a small group of so-called experts. This doesn't mean that the majority view of the size of the piece of work wins. The focus instead is on building understanding and developing a consensus view. This helps improve the quality of the estimates as multiple viewpoints are considered and past experiences of a wider group of people bring a greater level of knowledge and expertise. A popular type of affinity estimating is through a technique called planning poker, which is also a form of wideband Delphi estimating. Planning poker involves the whole team and not just the experts or senior team members. Estimates by individuals can either be anonymous or can be presented simultaneously. This helps to avoid bias, groupthink, and everyone following a perceived expert or senior person's opinion. Planning poker is also an analogy-based estimating technique. Pieces of work are broken down into descriptions, written as user stories, that each describe a distinct piece of the overall requirements. Only those pieces of work that are to be worked on during the next sprint, which is typically a two to three week period of time, are estimated. This helps avoid issues highlighted by the cone of uncertainty earlier in terms of the further off in the future, the greater the risk the estimate's inaccurate. Each user story is then estimated individually by each team member by assigning either a t-shirt size, such as extra small, small, medium, large, extra large, etc., or a Fibonacci number, which is a number in the sequence of 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, or 21, although 20 is often used instead of 21. These sizes are then shared, variances are discussed, and a consensus arrived at within the group by discussing and addressing any uncertainty or ambiguity that different team members may expose during that planning session. Agile estimating approaches such as planning poker are however still not perfect and can be implemented in ways that make them less effective than they should be. For example, if only the developers are participating in the planning poker, then valuable insights and opinions could be missed that result in less effective estimates. It's therefore important to include all people involved in the delivery of the project, the designers, the architects, the developers and the testers. It's also important to ensure that biases are not introduced that could influence the outcome of the estimating process. Something called the anchoring effect, whereby a piece of information or a suggestion is made that influences the outcome, can have a very dramatic effect on the resulting estimate. This could be as simple and as subtle as saying something along the lines of, now we'll discuss a simpler user story. Or last time we did something like this, it took us four weeks. Statements like these, whether true or not, will introduce bias into the estimating process, no matter how collaborative the discussion is. It's important to remember when tracking progress that there is not a company or historical average velocity within the team. Each team produces its own cadence and cannot be compared directly to another team. In short, a story point is not a unit of time. It doesn't map to hours or days in a way that can be compared across teams. We now know and understand that the best estimates are those provided by using a consensus view from a group of people actively working on the project, looking at a relatively close time horizon, and when significant knowledge and experience is available. We know this isn't always possible when there are significant levels of uncertainty. In these situations, an estimate is often still required. In such situations, 
all that is possible is for us to do the best we can to help to set the project up for success while setting the expectations of our stakeholders as best as we can. Single value estimates should be avoided and bandwidth based estimates should be provided. A summary of the assumptions and risks that the estimate was based upon should also be communicated along with the estimate and not just the cost or time estimate. We need to account for uncertainty where possible by providing the known unknowns and assessing the cost of the risk if it were to occur, multiplied by the likelihood of it occurring. We can refine the estimates using approaches such as planning poker as the project progresses and assess the progress against the initial high-level estimates to identify deviations and work to improve initial estimates on future projects. Most importantly, ensure that you foster a culture of honesty, openness and collaboration within your team and with your stakeholders so that you can have honest conversations about how the estimates were derived, how and when they need to be refined and the details of the level of uncertainty or risk contained within the estimate. I'm Mark Warner and you've been listening to PM Lift, the podcast dedicated to elevating project management practice. Please join me again for the next episode of PM Lift, where we look at lessons learned, how they can help us reflect and share valuable knowledge for the benefit of our own and our colleagues' future projects. Thank you.